0: Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast
1: covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
2: Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry. I'm your host, Chris Kaufman. I'm here with Alf Artiaga. We are not with Simon Clancy tonight because uh, he is uh, somewhere preparing for his appearance. Uh, he is nominated, I guess, for two awards tomorrow night at the Radio Academy Awards. And so his uh, scheduling conflicts prevent him from taping uh, with us right now for this preview episode for the upcoming game against the Detroit Lions at home at Hard Rock Stadium. Um, but we do want to say, you know, congratulations to Simon. Holy shit, that's cool. Um, but you can find information about his show at, uh, at Joe. That's joe.co.uk. He produces a show there. This is like you know his day job because obviously he's not just a podcaster about the Miami Dolphins on three yards per carry, um, and uh, neither are we. So uh, so yeah, you can find information about his shows there. Uh, congratulations to him. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know. I, I were were you around Alpha? I don't know if you remember this, but Simon actually produced another show. Um, that got a uh, Sony Gold actually uh, over over in Europe, um, and this was huh. uh, a show that he produced for the BBC back when he worked there, uh, and that was pretty cool. And um, and we got to see him like you know videos of him like awkwardly going with the group up to the stage. And- <laughs> it was pretty funny actually.
3: Um, so you and- mean to tell and- me that all of all of this time we've could have been announcing him as award winning Simon Clancy?
2: That's right. We've really missed it. We've really missed out on on this. the three so, yards I,
3: per carry podcast. Yeah, we we sh- could have and should have and
2: should start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I won an award once for like you know um, for for best artwork for the week in elementary school or something like that. But that's that's about the only award that I've ever won. So
3: when I was working on on Sportsman, uh, we had it as a joke that we wanted to submit one of our shows for an emmy what kind of killed me yes you you can can. just like submit your show for an emmy yeah for a
2: local can we submit our show we're submitting Uh, our show Um, (laughs) i don't think we can i don't think i don't
3: think podcasts apply for my daughter about questions and statements (laughs) yeah i don't think that podcasts apply for an emmy but now what what kind of bugged me was we put it on youtube that's you got a good point, you got a, you got a point. Yeah, maybe we should submit our show for an Emmy. <laughs> good, yeah. But that statement. what statement killed me was when our show went off the air. We started looking at like all the shows that were winning in our category, and good God, man, you know we should have submitted for an Emmy. And who knows, <laughs> we could we could have had Emmy award. Winning. It wasn't intimidating a lot. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like it could be. Radio uh, Radio Academy award-winning Simon Clancy, Emmy mm. award winner Alfredo Artiaga, and Chris Kaufman.
2: Yeah, and and of course just Chris Kaufman.
3: <laughs> that would have been great.
2: Been,
3: yeah. Well, we have a lot to get into, especially Regular the news season. of the week. Okay, Ryan Tannehill, the other injuries, guys coming back, defense getting healthier. But first, a word from Simon Clancy on our great sponsor Bet DSI.
1: So you hear me bang on about this every week, but it is time for Bet DS they are excellent sponsors if you're a gambling person I am not but if you are then these are the guys you need to go to why well most people seem to bet online these days and most people seem to bet on their phones so they have an outstanding mobile interface they've been in the game for 20 years and pretty much they dominate the market because they are the best at what they do and they're going to offer you essentially free cash which you cannot grumble at so in the modern era in the modern day who Who's going to turn their nose up at free money i certainly wouldn't you certainly wouldn't and if you do then you are a moron and frankly you know my opinion about morons so get in the game these bet dsi boys they don't mess about you want to put a bet on you want to go down the track you want to bet on football you want to bet on the ncaa i mean next weekend november 3rd the the games in the ncaa are ridiculous college football there's about 15 absolute classics. It's going to be one of the great weekends. Get your bets on now with the guys at DSI. Esports, MMA, boxing. I mean, there's a great Deontay Wild against uh, Tyson Fury coming up. The Premier League is back this weekend after the international break. Want a line on it? They've got a line on it. They'll get you a bet on it. They even do like presidential stuff. I bet they even do the Oscars. They've got everything. So join today. Use the code, code YARDS101. That's YARDS, Y-A-R-D-S, yards zero. One get in the game, get paid today, get free dollars for betting. 3 dollars for betting a couple of weeks ago. For real estate Miami, if you put hundred pounds on Miami to win and Miami lost, you'd get your hundred dollars back. I said a hundred quid, I'm English. You get your hundred dollars back, you don't even lose anything. Astonishing value. Betdsi.com, they are the people to bet with.
2: I wonder if BS Bet DSI has some uh some lines on who's going to win the awards. <laughs> tomorrow at the radio academy awards i think we ought to look that up uh and bet against simon no sorry that's that's not that's not fair (laughs) again we want to congratulate simon but we do have some news to get into um kind of created some news ourselves uh this this week uh which is an odd place to be in um, but, uh, I don't know what it, so the Ryan Tannehill thing, that's what everybody wants to talk about. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to, we're going to go through some of the news that we revealed throughout the week. Um, we just revealed some more news, uh, yes, yesterday, last night on three yards per carry Twitter account. That's at three yards per carry. Um, and, you know, we know things, we've heard things, uh, we've talked about things, and then we're going to kind of give some of our own opinions about going forward with Ryan Tannehill. But first, let's start with the actual news. Uh, Alf, you were manning the three yards per carry account this uh, yesterday.
3: What did you report? Well, what we reported was that Ryan Tannehill was highly unlikely to play and that he was likely going to be out two to three weeks based on an evaluation period. And we spoke about this earlier in a previous podcast, which is that evaluation period is pretty simple. It's Adam Gase determining if Ryan Tannehill can or cannot make the throws that are in his playbook. Now, that could mean a lot of things. But what it basically means is that the guy who's going to decide whether Ryan Tannehill can or cannot play is Adam Gase, at least for the very near future. What we also reported was – that they did fear on that Friday, the Friday before the Bears game, that he did have a significant labral injury. Now, uh, that's not the actual report. The report is not that he has a labral injury. It's not we, a higher. It's not a hard diagnosis by right. It was. Their, it was just their fear. It's a fear. Right. It's a potential. And, right. It was the potential, and they decided that the best course of action was just rest and rehab for at least the foreseeable future, which means that he is out indefinitely, but more than likely or not, we were told two to three weeks is the Mm -hmm. period that they're going to evaluate him on. Now, obviously this part, this part that we're going to get into right now is complete speculation. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if it is a labral injury, well, all of you
2: know what that means. Uh, Well, one thing I'll say, and this is not, this is not news. This is not from anyone inside the dolphins, but looking at the, um, the sort of the, the fact pattern uh, and, and what happened. I su- I submitted the, the two hits you know, that we're talking about the Oakland Raiders hit uh, week three and the Cincinnati Bengals hit uh, in week five in the fourth quarter, of the sack strip. Um, I had, I had a couple of doctors look at it uh, including uh, and doctors and medical professionals that worked in sports medicine, including one that interned under uh, Dr. James Andrews himself, um, and they said that the, the Oakland hit looked very much like something that would cause a, um, a, a sprained AC joint, but that the Cincinnati Bengals hit was a totally different animal, and that the rotational forces involved there, you know, first instinct would be rotator cuff or um, labrum or capsule damage. So I, I think that fits. A- with what you're saying right now, but uh, go on.
3: Yeah. And uh, let me be clear that what we did report is that they determined that major invasive surgery, and you all know what that means. It means what Drew Brees went under. It means what Andrew Luck went under. Uh, They determined that that's not necessary at this time. That does not mean, however, that maybe after this two to three week evaluation period, yeah, uh, his strength doesn't return. And they decide, you know what, he might need some arthroscopic surgery to clean it up. And mm-hmm. if that happens, then we all know you could just go on the internet and go look at the, whatever the, the usual diagnosis is. And especially for a quarterback, if this were, let's say, a defensive back, because a running back is pr- pretty difficult. Uh, a tackle or a guard could be difficult also. A quarterback, he needs to throw the ball. He needs overhand movement. You're talking about 10 to 12 weeks of rehab, which would mean that the season would be in jeopardy. Of course, if he needs major intensive invasive surgery, obviously he's out for the season and out for most of the off season, really. Yeah. But uh, we're not reporting that. What we're reporting right now is that he is undergoing that two to three week evaluation period. And the guy doing the evaluation is Adam Gase. And it's really about power, strength, speed, and strength in the arm. And until that returns, he will not play.
2: What I think is important to note is that surgery is on the table. It is not off the table yet. Um, It is still an option, uh, and we can speculate about what that surgery would mean as far as recovery times and and stuff like that. Um, It hasn't been eliminated as an option. It's just been decided that the best option for now is to is to take this two to three weeks of rest and rehabilitation, reevaluate the arm, reevaluate its strength, reevaluate evaluate his throwing ability, see where he's at, and then move forward from there. And the thinking is that that he might be um, he might be okay with that rest and rehabilitation, and there there's legitimate thought to that. Um, but I have heard you know separately we that that uh, that labrum was a fear. Um, just like you heard uh, as well. So um, I think that there are probably multiple things going on, but that's the fear um, or that was the fear. And so right now they're going to go with this two, three week evaluation period and see where he's at. Um, But surgery is a possibility and we can only you know, speculate what that would mean um, for his season or his career or whatever. But yeah, that's that's certainly it's certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, I, but the thing that we reported is that he's not playing. He's not playing against the Detroit Lions this weekend. Uh, yeah. That was what we said yesterday. That was what you you put on the three uh, Y 3Y, three YPC account. And um, sure enough, Adam Gase announced today he is not playing against the Detroit Lions. Um, and You know, some people are trying to pass it off and say, that oh, that's common. not Whatever. Adam Gase called him day-to-day. Okay, Adam Gase said that Mm -hmm. Ryan Tannehill was day-to-day. And so nobody knew whether he was going to practice or throw today because he was day-to-day. So we reported yesterday that he's not like – he's very, very unlikely to play this Detroit Lions game. And quite frankly, we think he's also unlikely to play the Houston Texans game too. And we're going to fast forward to probably the New York Jets – game before we start to get into an interesting question whether he's gonna whether he's gonna play or not I mean what do you what do you think what's your gut telling you going forward about Ryan Tannehill you know this season I mean forget this is not reporting this is not sources this is you know what do you think what do you think is going to happen
3: well I'll tell you what my gut tells me what my gut tells me is you've heard me say before Mm -hmm. that availability is a trait it's important Now, that's not just something that I came up with sitting here behind this microphone and thinking about ways to be profound. No, that's something that I got once, arguing with somebody in the Dolphins. Uh, Let's say somebody connected with the Miami Dolphins, arguing over Devontae Parker. And the guy told me something that stuck with me ever since. And he says, I was arguing that Devontae Parker, when he plays, is a very good NFL player. Now, you could argue, we could go back and forth forever whether he was worth his first-round status or not. But once the guy's drafted, I don't care. You know, you know, my, you know how I feel about these things. Once Perfect. somebody's drafted, he's on your roster, he's either a good football player or he's not a good football player. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, who are uh, like, are, will you really argue with me that if you draft a guy in the first round and he plays 12 years for you and makes no Pro Bowls, that that was a terrible first-round pick? No, I would say not. I would say that that was a very good first-round pick.
2: Has Patrick no. Chung ever made a Pro Bowl? Just, you know, non sequitur. But yeah, that's, also that's, kind of that's, that's <laughs> a really good
3: question. Yeah, like, Trick uh, Chung might be in the ring of honor for the New England Patriots. And yeah, I mean, easily. He's, one of the, been, he's been one
2: of the most uh, key defend, defensive players that they've had for a decade.
3: Yeah, so I, I was arguing this with, with this guy that, you know, whenever Devontae Parker actually plays, he's a very good NFL wide receiver. And the guy just told me something that just stuck with me ever since, which is, if you don't play, you can't be good, (laughs) okay? And it's the truth. You can't be good if you don't play, because the bottom line is you're either an NFL football player playing on Sundays, or you're an NFL football player taking up cap space, standing on the sideline, not playing on Sundays. Right now, Devontae Parker is the latter. So I think going forward, back to Ryan Tannehill, this injury, let's say he's out two, three weeks, and he comes back, and let's say he's great. Let's say he comes back against the Jets and finishes out the year, has a very good year. We go to the playoffs, maybe even win a game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The natural inclination is to say, whoa, we have our quarterback. Maybe we want to draft a guy, but at least we have a guy for the the near future. I think this is something that's just going to stick in the back of their heads. And I don't think that Ryan Tannehill is long for... For Miami and it's not really based on performance I think it's really based on availability uh he's gonna miss the uh, in my opinion he's gonna miss these three games no matter what but Mm -hmm. let's say he does miss just these next two well that's two games in the middle of the season and that's your starting quarterback okay so I think availability is something that's gonna stick in the back of their heads and this is something that the that the front office and the Miami Dolphins as a whole really do put a big, big value on. So mm. I would say that I'm not saying that you've seen the last of Ryan Tannehill, but I am saying that next season you could be seeing his last season in uniform for all time as a Miami Dolphin.
2: I'll go ahead and say it. I think that we've seen the last of Ryan Tannehill, period. Uh, that's, that's that's just an opinion. It's not has nothing to do with... any any sources or anything like that it's just um it's just me being an idiot on 3YPC talking I think we've seen the last game of his already as a Miami Dolphin and um and I think I mean it's just it's just really hard some of the some of the, the stuff you just don't like the way that this injury situation has sort of progressed you know the way that it kind of went backwards all of a sudden or went sideways and and now there's, there's a lot of mystery and there, there seems to be a lot of angst and, um, and, and wires crossed and stuff like that. And, uh, and I don't know. I, I just think, yeah, I, I know, I know I, I'm positively sure that in their minds right now, you know, I'm an idiot and I'm way off base and Ryan Tannehill's is going to take this two or three weeks of rest come back against the jets lead them to the playoffs go to the super bowl and uh ryan Tannehill now ryan Tannehill forever um positive that's that's their mindset right now i just uh, i just wonder if it's going to really work out like that and um and i think that uh there's a very strong possibility that it's not going to work out like that and that uh that ryan Tannehill's is not going to play again this year and if he doesn't play again this year then they're gonna be staring at an eighteen and a half million dollar base salary in twenty nineteen they're gonna have a hard time rationalizing because yeah. uh because this guy hasn't played much in three years and uh and and they're gonna say you know what i i think it's I think it's best for all of us if we just if we both just sort of move on and um and you know at that point. What are we looking at as going forward? I have no idea. I'm, the only thing I can think of is is that Teddy Bridgewater seemed pretty close with Miami this off season as far as signing on for for a backup job, and um, and to me that doesn't happen unless Adam Gase goes on a sort of a research project and and looks at him and and signs off and at the very least signs off on it, you know,
0: uh-huh. and
2: thinks fair idea. Um, and so they might, you know, he's scheduled to be a free agent again. Um, and I don't know what the New Orleans Saints plan for him, but if he's a free agent again, you know, they could revisit that. Uh, it seems like the kind of the lowest hanging fruit. Um, also the draft, I mean, but we we did our college quarterback, uh, you know, sort of uh, first foray into the college quarterback landscape of the draft, Simon, you and I did, and um, we don't really like it that much. Uh, no. You know, and, and so it, it becomes difficult to imagine that we're going to get you know depending on what Brock does for the rest of the season Brock um or for at least for these next two or three games uh until Tannehill could come back if he does come back I don't know that we're going to be in position to even get one of the few guys that you could be comfortable with uh in this game no I think
3: I think that what is much more likely is that near good to above average quarterback market is going to get pretty hot for us and we're mm going to probably have to overpay with draft mm. picks for it. Now, does that mean that we could get our hands on a guy like Derek Carr? Mm. Uh, that, that one's kind of exciting for me. Uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier about another guy that we're going to talk about here in a second, but let's, let's dig into a Derek Carr just a little bit. Sure. Uh, the Raiders are going to lose, and they're going to lose a lot this year. Yeah. And if you watch their games, Derek Carr is taking a hellacious beating in these games. Yes. Okay, yes. and it started really with the Miami game. The Miami game okay. put a hurting on him. This 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 last game against Seattle was almost inhumane. The beating that he took. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they go one and fifteen. They get their hands on Herbert from Oregon, mm-hmm. and Gruden says, "You know what? I have a great opportunity to take a first round pick for yep. Derek Carr, or maybe two, guy. yeah, or maybe two second round picks for Derek Carr, and mm-hmm. the Dolphins could be right there to to offer exactly that and get their hands on a guy like Derek Carr. Now."
2: Which would be ironic because Joe Philbin tried to sell out on Ryan Tannehill for
3: Derek Carr. Exactly. Yeah. And then the other one that you think about is, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. They just paid him a giant contract in San Francisco. He, you said it. I didn't say it, but you said it on a WhatsApp chat. And I guess I have to agree with you. He seems kind of fragile. He can't get through seasons. He gets hurt and he gets hurt. Uh, This year, it was a non-contact injury and he blew out his ACL. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, the first time that he got hurt was in 2016. and It was Kiko Alonso taking a run at him from 30 yards out and just giving him what is basically a hard hit. I'm not even mm-hmm. sure. I think we got flagged on the play. I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember or not, if we got flagged or not. But it was just a regular hit that most quarterbacks seem to take. Well, it knocked him out of the game and knocked him out of the next three games after that.
2: Yeah. So uh, yeah. he had a sprained AC joint speaking of that. Yeah, exactly.
3: It's, so, it's yeah, great. look, he he had that injury. So, you know, is it is it completely crazy to think that the 49ers, if you're watching them play, CJ Bethard has looked good in the times that he's played. If CJ Bethard puts together a really good rest of the season, and of course, that's another team that's going to lose a lot of games, maybe they disbelieve. Yeah, maybe they just <laughs> sit around and say, "You know what? We'll take our chances with CJ Bethard and we'll take a draft pick here." We'll take, you know, Haskins or who knows. Maybe, maybe Herbert is the one that drops to them and the Raiders take Haskins. No matter what. They, they take their first-round quarterback and they keep C.J. Beathard and they say, you know what, let's get out from under this contract and let's recuperate picks. Maybe he becomes available. So th- those are two possibilities. But, you know, going forward, I think the Dolphins really have to attack the position because they just can't keep doing this, even with Ryan Tannehill. And like I said, yeah. even if Ryan Tannehill returns in three weeks – and it has a spectacular season, leads it to the playoffs, wins a game, who knows, whatever. Okay? Uh, even if that happens, I think that next season they have to attack the position, use draft picks, use cap money, use whatever they can.
2: Steve Ross isn't going to stand for another offseason where they do exactly what they did at the quarterback position and go and go with Brian Tannehill. Whether, you know, it's just like you say, if Brian Tannehill, all goes well, all goes exactly the way that they have in mind, that they want it to go three weeks, he's, he's back for the Jets game, Uh, he throws for the rest of the year, we're fine, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Steve Ross is still not going to stand for going into the next offseason and coming out with Ryan Tannehill and, you know, Brock Osweiler and David Fales or whatever whatever they're doing there. Um, You know, even if Brock is doing pretty well right now, I think he wants a young guy to groom, and um, and I think he's already kind of – I think he's regretting not taking – sort of a stronger hand in what's going on with uh with the team and so i just a gut feel i think that he's not going to stand for that but i i think that the thing to pay attention to is if if they do move on from ryan Tannehill uh mm-hmm. in this offseason and the reason would probably be to do with his durability and that makes me wonder if they're going to jump straight from that to a guy who's also got durability issues uh yeah in
3: yeah, yeah i understand so so they might. Yeah, I would have, say might... that Derek Carr is probably the most attractive yeah. option and the most. I think
2: Derek Derek Carr has got to be the guy that you know he's taken a beating and, and he stayed he stayed in the games. Um, I don't know how many how many games has he missed? Uh, did he miss any games recently or any?
3: Well, he any... destroyed his leg and missed the playoffs uh, two oh, years
2: ago. Okay, okay, that's right. Um, yeah, he
3: missed the playoff game, but he ended up playing the entire season. He just missed. Yeah, I mean, he so... missed the last game and the playoff game. Yeah,
2: so you're looking at a guy that um, that has played. All but two regular season games of his career, and so I think that that's probably if they're going to go that way, if they're not going to yeah. go for the draft and trying to trade up or do whatever, um, then then yeah, you might have something there. Uh, John Gruden might just try to you know move him on, and and having looked at you know because we previewed the Raiders game and we got a preview of Derek Carr and stuff like that, there's some compatibility here. Derek Carr is really good in three wide receivers uh, he's good in a spread uh offense he's also really good at home he's not so good away so that's
3: you know yeah <laughs> so double, so, so we get right, right back, back to where we were yeah, in the beginning
2: we're, we're right back to what we um what we yeah. are with uh with adam Gase in general but um but you know adam Gase is overwhelmingly and let's let's not have any illusions anymore that they're going to stop or stop being an 11 personnel team and start moving on to 12 personnel and stuff like that. They're hardly using any 12 personnel this year. Um, They're using 21 personnel and 20 personnel as basically just like gimmicky stuff. Um, They're using, you know, 10 personnel or 01 personnel, which is four wide receivers. They're using it, you know, sparingly again as like gimmicky stuff. Um, They are just an 11 personnel team. And Adam Gase, that's that's the kind of coach that he is. Uh, three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. Derek Carr is really good from that. He's really good in, in three wide receivers. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is better from two tight end than he is from three wide receivers. Uh, he's been that way his whole career. Uh, Derek Carr has been the opposite. So, you know, maybe Derek Carr would be a good fit there for Adam Gase, um, you know, heading into the offseason. But, uh, you know, we're – Obviously, we're getting way out in front of our skis here. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's something to think about. Um, just as I said, personal opinion stuff. We're not we're not putting on our reporter hats and saying anything here.
3: Yeah, um, but,
2: but well, uh, we
3: we yeah. need to move on with the the news of the week. But I was just a little recommendation to our listeners who are all Dolphin fans. Let's well, some of them are not, but let's say you are a Dolphin fan and you're used to rooting for other things to happen every Sunday. Especially toward the end of the season, when you need about four or five things to break your way to make the playoffs, now you got something else to root for. Root for Raider losses as many as possible. If they can lose out, that will be a very, very, very good thing for your Miami Dolphins. If you're a fan of Derek Carr, if you're not a fan of Derek Carr, then then you know who cares. <laughs> so so you what pick else? Up ha-
2: Patrick Mahomes. That's all I want
3: to do. Yeah, right. Patrick Mahomes. Well, that would have been nice as a draft pick. Good. <laughs> there was a lot of hindsight this this past off season. Alex I can Smith change, became available. I can change my jersey for him. I tell you, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of hindsight this past season. Kirk Cousins was available, uh, he, although you don't think that we had any any shot at that. I
2: don't think we had a shot at him, and I'm I'm not as high, high on him as you are, anyway. But
3: yeah, uh, Alex Smith. I'm a big fan of Kirk Cousins. I think he's a very very good quarterback. He's not elite, but he's in that you know he's in that near elite category. Alex uh, Smith could be available again. Uh, Alex Smith is another one that could be available. So, so yeah. So, you know, let's move on because we are four and two. What yeah. else happened this week? That's yeah, we're before? acting like you know we're we're one and
2: six yeah. or one and five. Sorry, yeah. and uh, and like you know the draft has already begun. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what else happened
3: this week, Chris?
2: Ah, uh, so um, we we got some uh, we got some guys that were still missing at practice uh, today. Um, Jonathan Woodard was still not there. Charles Harris was uh, not there. Danny Amendola was not there. Um, but that's usually a Veterans Day, a Veteran Day for him. Every Wednesday is Veterans Day for Danny Amendola. Um, he deserves uh, it. Yeah, he deserves it. And he's a he's a hard little worker. Actually, do you know what they did in this last game? We didn't even mention it in our, our Bears uh, review because we were just so, I think, jubilant about um, about the game and the way it played out. But he he. He came in and blocked like a tight end or like yes, an h back um, in the game several times. Uh, and it wasn't just once; so I, I definitely had at least two times that he did it. One of them, I think, he, I think he manned up like on one of them against a, a big hulking defensive lineman-looking guy, just straight up squared up on him and um, and and blocked him. It was crazy. It was it was kind of showing up. Mike Gesicki is what it was doing, but um, but <laughs> yes. And then, then the other one you know he really he really whammed a guy from the side and then released out and caught a ball it was really impressive um i thought that uh what's interesting to me about that is it seemed like they're kind of pulling that a little bit cuz the rams do that with cooper cup and uh and that's one of the cool things about uh that offense and and about cooper cup as a player and why one of the reasons they're able to stay in 11 personnel like 98% of the time, which is ridiculous. Absolutely. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the reasons they're able to do that is because they got versatile players that can play a bunch of different roles. Yes. One of them is for cup who can almost like block like a second tight end sometimes. And, um, and they're doing that with little, little old Danny Amendola. <laughs> yeah. And and so th- that's just cool.
3: an aside but before I wrap up this, you know, this first half of the show, Just as an aside, I was watching Rams game. I think it was the game against uh, Minnesota, where uh, they go to halftime and they were like, "Oh, Sean McVay, he's a genius. He he goes with all these different formations." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, what are you talking about?" About different formations, not different personnel. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. If you watch, if you watch a Rams game, they're liable to run the same exact formation. And I'm talking about when I say same exact formation, I'm talking about with the tight end on the right on on the strong side for like eight or nine consecutive plays. And the reason yeah. they can do that is because they have a Todd Gurley. They have a Robert Woods. They have Jared Goff. They have Brandon Cooks. It's a stacked team. It's a great yeah. team. And it's right now, easily, the, the best team in the NFL. So Yeah. And you, you know, know
2: what they do that's actually, that's actually so unique, too? I mean, even just getting aside from using the same formation and the same uh, 11 personnel, like one, one tight end, one running back, three wide receivers, they use the exact – same 11 man lineup like the same 11 people yes on like 65 percent of their plays i've never seen anything like that that's insane durability you yeah will not that's see also that anywhere else in the nfl even close and, not even and, and that's
3: and that's also before before they give us a, a rams podcast we we got to move on from, on from this but uh <laughs> yeah but the rams that's part of my thesis on the Rams, which is I don't think they're gonna win a Super Bowl because nobody has this much luck. And I think that yeah, they're one of those good. they're one of those teams that are a mile wide but an inch deep. And if yeah. they take two or three, like could they have survived the stigmata that the Dolphins have gone under to start yeah. the season? I don't uh, think they do. Good point. I don't think they do. All right, Bobby McCain may be back. He's bowing to play your thoughts on that
0: one last
2: week I, I feel betrayed <laughs> he said he was playing last week and then all of a sudden nope not playing uh, Cam wake he was gonna play and he's like nope not playing yeah. we woke up that morning we're talking on whatsapp like Simon and I and and we already we already know that Ryan Tannehill is not going to play in the game because we reported that essentially reported that Saturday uh before anybody else had it had it and, <laughs> and then we find out about Bobby McCain and Cam Wake and Simon and I are just like just like commiserating already commiserating a loss already we're like oh this is a complete disaster
3: <laughs> well as pat riley said you guys do not have the guts i had the guts no, i i I, th- I saw us winning i saw us winning that game well, i
2: i kept my kept, I kept my prediction for us winning i still thought we had the positive matchups from on on a defensive. Well, what it was, Khalil Mack was going against some tackles that had shown a history of handling him pretty well before, and um and Jesse Davis had a good had a good body type to face up against. Uh, and I, I think this was actually important with Akeem Hicks. And um and you know on the other side of the ball, we did still have some some good matchups for the offense uh, against them. So I don't I, I I kept it. I thought I thought that we we're still going to win, but we're heading into it and we're like. Oh, wait, Bobby McCain was supposed to play. Cameron Wake was supposed to play.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, speaking of Cameron Wake, he's back at practice this week. He's going to be really, really important, I think, coming up because I did not like that pass rush against the Chicago Bears. I thought it was pretty poor. I didn't think that Robert Quinn played terribly, but Mm. he wasn't in in Trubisky's face all day, and he probably should have been. So, anyway, we got to go to break. And when we come back, we will preview Detroit Lions at Miami this Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. But first, these words.
1: Hey, Juice, so October is here, and in my mind, that means only one thing. It is almost time for my favorite event of the year, and no big surprise, but it's
0: an O.J. McDuffie party. Hey, you
1: know it, Big Seth. The 17th Annual Signature Grand Ghoul presented by Calvin Giordano and Associates will take place on Monday, October 29th, and once again benefits 211 Broward, an amazing charity. We are transforming the Signature Grand into a 100,000-square-foot mansion for the sickest Halloween costume party in South Florida.
3: And this costume party is for the grown folk, not the kids, Mm -hmm. yeah. We're talking open bar, amazing food, dancing, silent auction, and of course, contests and prizes for the most incredible costumes. And since the fish tank will be all up in the ghoul, as will a bunch of other hosts from our Five Reasons Sports family, let's do a little something special for the listeners. So what we need you to do is post a photo in your all-time greatest Halloween costume, tag your favorite Five Reasons Sports podcast, and use the hashtag DiveIntoTheGhoul. And the top
1: four costumes will have a chance to win two tickets to the signature Grand Ghoul on that October 29th. For more information on how you can join OJ and me at the Signature Grand Ghoul. Visit and call 954-390-0493 and ask for tracy Josh Darrow here, host of the Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a cane sting on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches, past and present affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl.
3: It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams. You know, that that's where it all started for me. And just just the style of play and and really it was it really took hold when Jimmy
2: Johnson was here, and you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in 86 when we're whipping Oklahoma and just, you know, I mean, just just speed and then violence.
1: You know, what I mean, it, 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 you know, we're not only, you know, you know Nebraska it was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings podcast, where it's always a Cane Sting. And we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network.
3: And we're back and we will preview the Detroit Lions this Sunday, but first let me tell you about our great sponsor, BetQL. Want to get an edge over Vegas and the books? BetQL is available for download, and it's the only mobile app that puts all the important and research you need to make smart bets in one place. With BetQL, you can easily access line movement to see how the lines have moved. This app gives you access to public betting trends in real time so you can see which side the public favors. BetQL's powerful algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of detailed, recent, and historical trends. You can also calculate your return on your picks and track them throughout the day. The best part of all, you can download BetQL for free from your Apple or Android device. Head to BetQL.co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas. That's BetQL.co. BetQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. Now, if you do consult BeckQL, it's telling you that the Detroit Lions are a favorite this week. In Miami's house. Yes, and this has happened already twice before, and the two teams that were favored here uh, ended up going home with an L. We will have Sorry. our predictions a little bit later on, but Chris, why would the Detroit Lions be favored this week
2: it's the Jay Cutler effect I mean, we so listen we started out four and we started at four and two last year yes. um we at this exact point in the season we were four and two with Jay Cutler and uh, Matt Moore as the two quarterbacks and Tannehill was out of course and I would argue that we were in a little bit of different place in a lot of other positions compared to last year but still yes you know, no Tannehill, backup quarterbacks, four and two. Um, and it ended up six and 10. That's not good. Uh, so I think that, um, I think that that's, that's the factor that we're talking about here. You're still talking about Brock Osweiler. Yeah. He had a great game, um, but, and he does that in, in these other places that he goes to, but then it kind of, kind of comes down to earth. So Unless his combination with Adam Gase is somehow, you know, magical, um, then what you you want to head into this game and saying, okay, well, you, you know, I'm looking at the matchup. I'm looking at, I'm looking at these wide receivers against our corners. I'm, I'm looking at uh, our nickel defense versus their, you know, three wide receiver personnel. I'm looking at. Um, you know, our ability to run the ball against their nickel and uh, and their dime and what what Matt Patricia is going to be doing. And, and then uh, and then you have to remember that, yeah, that can all come out one way. And then your quarterback can come out there just like as happened several times last year with Jay Cutler and Matt Moore and just completely blow it. That, you know, whether you like Ryan Tannehill or not, that generally didn't happen with him when when the team blew it on the road never at home almost never at home and when the team blew it on the road there was always you know a lot of things going on not just ryan Tannehill. last year we saw that uh, that the quarterback can blow it and uh that's what uh that's what that's what you fear like i i want to predict of miami victory my my own models and you know uh and and the good stuff that i work with and the research i do it's it's not only predicting a a a victory but A very strong victory here Miami's at home they've got great matchups in their favor and they've got uh, especially when you're looking at personnel versus personnel but then there's Brock Osweiler and is he going to play like he did last week or is he going to play you know just completely different and that's what makes a backup quarterback that's why they are backups is because one week yeah they can play like that really well and then another week it's going to be like holy holy hell why did we ever think this guy was good Um, So that's what I think.
3: I'll tell you right now, um, I'm not too concerned, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, about the quarterback position, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I think that this team is affording a little leeway to the quarterback position. Like if we talk about what we actually need from that position, let's go as far as passer rating. If Brock Osweiler can produce a 92 quarterback passer rating, I trust our defense and especially our pass defense and our secondary to hold – the opponent's pass defense, exactly where it is right now, which is somewhere around top five in the league. That's going to be somewhere around plus 16 or plus 15 to plus 16 in quarterback rating differential. Okay. Mm-hmm. Historically. And we're talking about, we're not talking about 10. We're not talking about 15 years. We're talking about 70 years, 70 mm-hmm. seven seven zero historically, you know how, how difficult it is to keep a team out of the playoffs with a plus 16 quarterback rating differential. It's damn near impossible, okay? It's it's like happened less than five times. So I don't think he has a big hurdle to clear. He just has a big hurdle to clear to win against the better teams. And I think this is one of those teams where you look across from us and their quarterback is going to be clearly better than ours. So mm-hmm. it's going to be up to our secondary and our quarterback, really. This game is completely on Brock Osweiler and our secondary to – keep the differential in our favor. And namely, you know, turn Matthew Stafford into who he is on the road, which is a mm-hmm. guy who might put up numbers, but tends to lose a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's get into a little bit about the personnel. Uh, there's one matchup that I find extremely intriguing. I think that Golden Tate is the best slot receiver in all of football. The whole game. Yes. Now, it it seems to me that this is the biggest test that Minka Fitzpatrick would have faced all year and is going to face all year. How do you think he can do? Is this the type of guy that can give him trouble? Or is this the type of guy where Minka Fitzpatrick can actually erase? I think that I trust Minka Fitzpatrick against virtually anybody. He's
2: earned it. Um, I think, you know, he, he even, he, he goes toe to toe with guys like AJ Green and yeah, catches a couple of balls, but doesn't embarrass himself by any means and punches back and makes plays. And I think that that's going to happen, you know, whether we're talking about, and by the way, I, you know, I, I respect golden Tate. I've always loved golden Tate. Um, You and I both know that he's an analytics dynamo. Um, Yeah. But uh, I think Cooper cup, Juju Smith, Schuster, Adam Thielen, um, those guys have something to say about uh, about the slot position before we get to a Golden tape. But um, you know, I think that uh, I trust Minka Fitzpatrick against virtually anybody. Certainly, any of um, of these guys, and including Golden Tate. Uh, you know, what popped up in, in Minka recently is some penalties, and that's that's some stuff that maybe you watch out for. But um, but otherwise, I, I think he's fine. Um, I I'm going to worry about. You know I, I gosh, I, I can't go, I can't get away from the quarterback position because I honestly think listen, Matt Matt Stafford on the road is not the same Matt Stafford at home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we know that um, We know that they you know his his winning record on the road is you know he's maybe a 30 percent win guy uh, on the road, something like that. Uh, he has a, a definite drop in his uh, passer rating and, and his overall production on the road. He's not the same guy um those receivers are pretty good uh they're not necessarily scary good I think Golden Tate is the best of them but they kind of have a a love-hate relationship with him in general um and we they go up against a secondary of ours that that matches up with them pretty well uh they're they're 11 personnel what they do out of 11 personnel versus our nickel defense Is a really good matchup, and it favors us because uh, our nickel defense is better than their 11 personnel. And on the flip side of it, you know, we should be able to run the ball all over their nickel defense and run the ball all over their base defense. Um, This is a team that uses a lot of dime. Uh, This is Matt Patricia. He comes from the Patriots. Patriots use a lot of dime. Mm -hmm. They also use a quarter, which we saw against the New England Patriots uh, this year, and it kind of stymied us. Um, but I don't think they're going to use it as effectively as New England does, uh, especially if we're running the ball, and that's where, that's where things get disconnected is that Detroit can't stop the run. And if you stop the run, that's where you can start bringing out all that, that dime and quarter defense with six and seven defensive backs and get tricky and, and really suffocate a passing offense. I don't think they're going to be able to successfully do that unless – our quarterback is just nowhere to be found, you know, and that's, that's the problem. Like, I, I understand and respect what Brock Osweiler did a week ago. Um, but at the same time, you just, it's a roll of the dice with backups like this. Uh, it, you come out, you never know when they're just going to be awful. And that's, that's what I'm worried about. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No. Uh, and we'll get to our predictions, but I think that if this were a gunslinger type like a Matt Moore, Uh, as our backup quarterback, then I think a Lions defense, which is sort of a high IQ type defense, um, would stand a better chance uh, against them. Uh, I think that Brock Osweiler is pretty good at running the offense and doing, you know, essentially what the offense intends and what Adam Gase really intends. And so I think he's going to keep us on schedule and will ultimately overcome but that's the discomfort that i have it's not about golden tate versus mick and fitzpatrick certainly it's mm-hmm. not you know it's not Xavier howard versus kenny galladay or uh or marvin jones um and hopefully bobby mccain plays um it's not even about those running backs although garrett blunt doesn't he always seem like he Yes. He just over us and makes us miss like 17 tackles. Yes. Um, so it, it's not even necessarily about that. It's, it's about whether Brock Osweiler shows up and just shits the bed.
3: Yeah. Uh, I, I completely agree. And let me tell you one thing about those running backs. Uh, it's a really, really good group. Uh, all you got to do is just look it at that is. depth chart. It's like Eric Blunt, it's Carry on Johnson, it's theoretic. Amir Abdullah still there waiting in the wings. But Carry uh, on Johnson's a really interesting one because I told you I liked him coming out of Auburn. Yeah. Yep. If you watch him play, he looks better as a pro than he did at Auburn, which is yeah. pretty odd to say, right? You're right. You're right. He looks quicker, stronger, uh, more decisive. At Auburn, he always looked like – and, and that could, it just could be as simple as at Auburn, Carryon Johnson just looked around and said, you know what? I'm a man and these are boys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I can afford to hesitate a little bit here because maybe I could let this block cinch and I could go get myself 10, 12 yards instead of the five that are right here. Here in the NFL, it looks like Kerryon Johnson is really decisive because he knows that in the NFL there is no such thing as hesitating and waiting for a block to develop to get an extra 10, 12 yards because if you do that, you're getting tackled for a loss. So, yeah, he does look better as a pro. All right, that's it for the offense. It's a good offense, uh, but I trust our defense, like I said. But that defense of theirs, there's some interesting players. Ziggy Ansah, you know, Darius yep. Slay is one of my favorite players in the league, and Glover Quinn, another favorite of mine.
2: Consummate professional, right? You know, yeah, Glover Quinn
3: all the way around, and and just yeah, he, he's really on top of what he's doing. And draft favorite of ours from two years ago, and Jared Davis, a guy the Dolphins worked out a lot. Chris, how do they go about attacking this defense?
2: I think they're going to do it on with the run, and it's it's and it's it's really it should be fortunate unless matt patricia just like starts overloading the run and keying on things but if they do that you know go back to the oakland game and what happened the oakland the oakland defense was you know just just absolutely terrible against the run and we were a good run team as we were uh, as we were facing them and so they came they came in and they keyed the hell out of our two running backs out of uh you know um Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake and they were overreacting to them. And by the end of the game, what happened? We started to play off of that. There was that halfback pass to Jakeem Grant. Um, there was the uh you know, the the plays that Albert Wilson made in that game, which were, were like de facto Albert Wilson and jakeem Grant made plays that were like de facto run plays, basically. Um, you know, if if they decide the lions decide, Hey, this is our weakness. We're, we're weak against the run. Miami's going to try to run against us because they have Brock Osweiler at quarterback and they're not going to be confident in their passing game. Then I'm actually confident that could play into our hands because we have a lot of ability to victimize them, them for that. Um, but otherwise, you know, the run is going to be how you victimize this deep. They're not good against the run. Jared Davis is not good against the run. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, not yet. Not not in their style of defense yet. No. Um, there's some misfit. I think there's a little bit of misfit with some of these players, and as as Matt Patricia tries to uh, install his defense, uh, so that's that's going to be how you do it. Um, but the other thing to pay attention to, you had to see it in the Chicago Bears. By the end of that game, they were huffing and puffing, and there were guys on that team, on that defense, that Chicago Bears defense, which was a good defense mm-hmm. that. We're just not running. This comes the Detroit Lions, who play in a dome and, you know, are from Michigan. So it's going to be hot and humid in Miami because it's always hot and humid in Miami. And it's going to take its toll, particularly on the defense. That's where you're going to look for it. And it's particularly if the offense of the Miami Dolphins is able to stay on schedule and convert some third downs and get some extra plays like they did last week against the Chicago Bears. So, you know, the defense of the Detroit Lions that's where that's what you're going to look for with them is you know them against the run, are they keying on this guy or that guy uh, to try and overplay this? Uh, how are Miami's counters working out? And Miami gets really creative with their block with their blocking assignments in order to spring runs uh, when when the defense tries to key on this or that. So I think that um, I think that's how they're going to get attacked. I don't think they're going to be good against the run. I think they're going to wear down. In the fourth quarter, um, and and Miami's going to have some good some opportunities on offense.
3: Yeah, I think you got to attack that that linebacking group, and uh, I don't know how much dime Patricia's going to play. I would say that we're definitely going to run the ball.
0: It's going to be aggressive
3: out. with it. Yeah, so uh, I think Adam Gase has to stick to what has worked—that creative running game, all those wham mm-hmm. blocks, those traps. You know, mm-hmm. keep that on the field, stay really, really conservative, and take our shots. We have we have the guys that could take shots on them. Uh, Darius Slay or no Darius Slay, you know, mm-hmm. have him run with, with Kenny Stills 10, 12, 15, nine routes in a game. That's something mm-hmm. that I've always liked about Kenny Stills, and I've told you since, you know, since we got him. He's a guy that can run 10, 12, 15, nine routes in a game and not get tired yeah. and run each of them just as fast as the next. So, yeah, we're going to have to – rely on that but there has to be a real real commitment to the run yeah all right it's prediction time chris how do you see this game going um you know i i don't want
2: to i don't want to predict out of fear you know thinking that brock osweiler is just going to suddenly show up and be ray lucas um so i i'm going to go ahead and stick with what i would have thought happened until until we know exactly what's going on with quarterback and what we have uh, just like I did last week, I stuck with my guns. This is the prediction that I would have had whether whether Brock Osweiler was the quarterback or Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback. I think this is a comfortable Miami victory. I'm going to go with 24-14 and um, a multiple score game at home The Miami Dolphins have a good home record and uh, good matchups in this game. It really favors them, so I'm going to go for them.
3: Okay, what I see is the return of Kenyon Drake as a figure on the Miami Dolphins and especially on this offense. We just had Frank Gore run for 101 yards. I say mm-hmm. that Kenyon Drake will run for over 100 yards in this game. They control the clock, they control time of possession, they score points once again. Mm-hmm. And I say that the Dolphins stay right in that little motif of averaging 28 points per game at home and they score mm-hmm. 27 and the Detroit Lions come with a late charge To score 20, Miami Dolphins 27, Detroit Lions 20. Now, before we go, we will have Simon Clancy's prediction.
1: I think the Dolphins will win because they're at home. We can get the run game going. Offensive line looks decent, especially the interior. Travis Swanson's made a big difference. We get McCain back. That is a boon. So I'm going to go Miami Dolphins 30, Detroit Lions 26.
3: We do encourage you to listen to all the podcasts on the network. Uh, Miami Heat beat. The Miami Heat season has just got underway so stay tuned to everything that they do and everything that they write on their website and of course you know the balls cast and everything that we do on our network which is made really to serve you the miami sports fan so hopefully when we talk to you next tuesday we'll be talking about being five and two but till then
1: thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on Podbean